welcome to PJ Live, the podcast. Our mission is simple. We want to spend time talking to interesting people about interesting topics. This podcast is not just for PJ members, it's for anybody who is interested in the game of golf. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Hello and welcome to this PJ Live podcast. In this episode, we're joined by 1992 amateur champion Stephen Dundas, and we talk to him about his new role as president at San Roque Golf Club in Spain, which has recently gone through a major renovation of its highly regarded old course. We are also joined by PJ professional coach Jason Floyd, who has set up the Jason Floyd Golf Academy at San Roque Golf Club in Spain 10 years ago. Hi everybody and welcome to this PJ Live podcast and we're going all the way over to Spain to the San Roque Golf Club. Jason, Stephen, how are you gents? Thanks for joining us today. We're good. Thank you very much for uh, for inviting us. Uh, it's very nice to, to do this. So thank you. We're yep. going to go inside the club. We're going to go inside the inner workings of, of what you guys do on a day-to-day basis. Do you want to give the, the kind of viewers, the listeners... Just a little bit of an overview of yourselves, first of all. Do you want to start with yourself, Stephen? Just give us a bit of an overview of your career and your career path to get to San Roque. Um, okay, I hope you've got a long, long time. Um, <laughs> so um, I turned pro 1993. Um, I was uh, the 1992 British Amateur Champion, so I managed to play at Augusta and all that sort of stuff. Um, worked at <clears throat> worked at Loch Lomond for a couple of years from '94 to '96, and then uh, went to Qatar, coached the national team there for a couple of years, and then was based uh, based at Rygate Hill for many many years from 2000, 2002 to two thousand eight, and then since two thousand eight, uh, been in uh, Moscow. Um, managing uh, three golf clubs and and well two in Moscow, one in Russia, uh, one in St Petersburg, and then uh, two years ago we bought we bought San Rocky, uh, we bought the San Rocky Club, uh, and we've done a big renovation on that, uh, the old course, the clubhouse, the golf academy. Um, so yeah, I've been been based here um, for the last two years. Absolutely superb, Jason. How about your journey, sir? Uh, yeah, similar. Um, we're, we're the same age. We're, we're both uh, we're getting on in our years now. But uh, yeah, I turned pro a little bit later, so it would have been '95. Um, uh, got qualified. I was very fortunate to work for David Ledbetter um, uh, around the world. So obviously, spent some time over in the States, uh, across Europe. Uh, eventually, became an academy director of uh, some of his academies. Uh, set some academies up. Um, then was, I think, very fortunate enough to work with uh, quite a few tour players. So, um, again, traveled on all sorts of tours. So from Challenge Tour, European Tour, uh, Asian Tour, PJ Tour, uh, worked with over uh, 30 tour players now uh, over, over many years. But uh, had a sort of a 10-year period where I was pretty much full-time uh, coaching in that way. Um, then had some Spanish business partners. Uh, we set up four golf academies here in Spain. Uh, three of them were in Madrid. Uh, one was down here in the Costel Sol. Uh, this one was particularly unique because it was an international junior golf academy. So similar to what I experienced working for IMG and David Ledbetter um, over in Bradenton. Uh, we then went about setting up that whole education and uh, golf instructional package 
really designed to get kids uh, to good scholarship placements in the US. Um, I then split with my business partners in what about 2014, uh, took over the business myself. And uh, yeah, just over two years ago now, um, met up, well, knew Stephen from before because we worked with the Russian national team. And that's where our relationship developed. And, um, and then obviously Stephen mentioned, well, you know, this is the project that we'll have at San Roque, would we like to be included? And uh, you know, obviously uh, jumped to the chance and now we're here at this amazing uh, facility. So yeah, that's, that's us. Superb. Jason, I'll stay with yourself. Um, you run a lot of kind of comprehensive range of programs for, for future stars, juniors and elite amateurs at the academy. Can you tell us a little bit about a background about what you do with those golfers? Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned a little bit before, so really our main focus is working with young players uh, and it's a full package. So they're with us um, from September all the way through to June. Um, They have their education with us. They board with us. They have their full golf program. So as you can imagine, uh, within that, that's subdivided into all sorts of uh, layers of skills, whether they're working on their technical aspects of their game. Uh, We have a full-time strength and conditioning coach here. They'll work on their nutrition um, they work on all parts of uh, their, their course craft. Um, and then we work, obviously, say, with our partners, who's the Southern Grand International School on the educational side. And uh, so they'll have very much a split day. They'll have four hours of education, four hours of golf. Uh, that's Monday to Friday from September to June. Uh, and then we work with our other partnership, who's a scholarship agency uh, based in the US, uh, run by a, a fellow Brit. Um, and he's been fantastic in Probably now over the past decade, uh, we've now forwarded some, I think it's about 66 players off the top of my head uh, who've gone to the US. Um, and I think one of the, we had quite a few highlights. Uh, there have been many different, uh, um, I'd say, great achievements by some of our players and where they've gone to, but I think where they've gone to, but where they've come from as a person and as a player, um, which has been very rewarding. But uh, I think one of the one of the cherries on the cake this year has been with young, uh, a lad called Tiger Christensen, uh, got down to plus six handicap. Um, and now he's, uh, well, in August, he'll be going to Oklahoma State University on a scholarship there. So yeah, we're very proud of, of that one and many others. That's amazing. Well done. All credit to you, you guys for putting that together and, and helping that young girl from the journey. Amazing. Stephen, can I, can I come to you, sir? And can you explain really your role as president and project manager at San Roque and, and what your job entails? Um, so initially it was, um, to, to be responsible for the, for the complete refurbishment and renovation of the, of the whole golf, uh, project. Uh, so like I said, clubhouse, golf academy, um, and, and the old course. Um, so we, we, we've actually, we did that. We started January, 2020. Um, and we finished it <clears throat> December, uh, actually November, end of November 2020. So we managed to do a complete renovation, a uh, complete renovation of the clubhouse, academy and golf course in 11 months du- during a pandemic, um, which is uh, which I'm quite proud of as well. Um, and then now operationally, we, are, we have to now you know, turn the investment that we've done, turn it into a profitable business. So big part of my days now is basically lots of meetings, lots of uh, strategic planning in terms of sales and marketing, um, staff training, 
meeting with other other uh, golf clubs around the area. Uh, we've just came up with an initiative for or with the town hall <clears throat> where we're going to have a, it's called the Soto Grande Challenge. Um, so it's basically all the golf clubs in the Soto Grande area are going to have this kind of festival of golf with uh, the final being played at Valderrama. And, you know, basically trying to put the Soto Grande area and the San Rocky Golf Club on the map in terms of being like a tourist destination for golf. Uh, I think previously, you know, the traditional golfer would have would have stayed in Marbella, played most of their golf there, and then come out to Soto Grande area for one day, maybe, and played one of the courses. So we are trying to really, really establish Soto Grande area as... Um, as more than just a one-day stop, more than, you know, just an actual become a tourist destination. Because obviously we've got great golf courses, but we've also got polo, we've got water sports, we've got great restaurants. Uh, and we're only 30 minutes from Marbella. We're only 45 minutes from Malaga Airport. We're only 20 minutes from Gibraltar Airport. So the location is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, so it's basically just trying to, you know, a day-to-day basis, you know, training staff, uh, motivating, meeting with lots of different companies, um, tr- trying to get as many people to come here as possible, um, and kind of trying to change a little bit the, the the concept of what San Rocky Club used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely taking a much more modern approach to what being a member of a golf club is. Um, you know, usual sort of stuff with dress codes and things like that. We've very much relaxed uh, that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, we've always got some nice music playing in the in the restaurant and just trying to create a nice, more relaxing atmosphere. And we're very much an inclusive club as opposed to exclusive. Um, so everyone's welcome, golfer, non-golfer, whatever you may be. Um so, yeah, just uh, very varied. You know, I think the role of the PGA Pro nowadays is, uh, I don't think you can put, put us into one, one particular category. Um, I probably do, in one given day, I might do 10 different things and all in, in 10 different sort of fields of uh, expertise. Um, so that's what makes it fun, actually, as well. No, no two days are the same. You, you touched on there about the kind of modern golf club. Have you been inspired by any other facilities? Do you guys take trips out to visit other golf clubs within the area or out of the area to, to develop Sam Roque? Um, I mean, I, I'm very aware of the, the other clubs in the area. Um, I'm very, obviously, I've been very lucky, you know, throughout my career I've played more or less most of the great clubs um, throughout the world. Um Without, without sounding, uh, I don't know what it would sound, but I kind of don't like to copy mm-hmm. what other people do. I kind of like to try and do something that's maybe slightly different or not different for being different sake, but just adding value to, to what, it is we, what it is we do. And I think one of the great things around the Soto Grande area, each club, when you talk about the great clubs, Valderrama and, and Soto Grande and La Reserva and Finca Cortezine, they're all great clubs and they're all very different in their own right. Um, Soto Grande Golf Club is very Spanish. You know, it's 85% of their membership is very Spanish. Valderrama is very private 
um, but also um, quite diverse in you know where their members are from. Uh, La Reserva is more um, kind of their focus is more on real estate um, and not so much on the golf. And you know San Rocky is very much uh, all inclusive, but at the same time trying to be trying to give that amazing experience, uh, that gate-to-gate experience that you might not get at some other clubs um, for a very good price. So very good value for money. That's kind of where we're, where we're aiming. So, yeah, it's, uh, of course you pick up little things here and there from different places that you've been, but not really trying to, trying to copy any, any specific thing that we've seen before. Superb. Jason, we touched on it a little bit at the start of the conversation about the academy and, and the kind of the inner workings. How have you built the academy up for, for more of the elite performer? I think it's been, uh, again, like I said, it's obviously having had the fortune of, of working for David Ledbetter, how, having seen how IMG you know, ran an amazing, or still do, obviously run an amazing business, um, how they really uh, look at sort of every... Uh, every angle of performance uh, along with, you know, uh, having worked with tour players and, and sort of looking at that sort of more holistic approach. When you see a tour player, you work with a tour player, you're, you kind of get a greater understanding of how you're working with the, the person and not just the sort of the, the mechanics of the goal string, which I think it was very much perceived for many years. Um, and then obviously now working back to, as we know, we're, we're working with young people. Um, you know, even in the 10 years that we've done this, it's a dramatically different world and, and culture. You know, we look at the influence of uh, social media, mobile phones, and then how that influences people. Um, you know, the, the time even spent on a, on a telephone by a youngster nowadays is incredible. You know, they're probably scrolling probably double the height of Big Ben back in London. <laughs> um, so you're you're kind of having to speak their language. You're having to create an ambience and a culture which is uh, um, connecting with them. But at the same time, it's it's still kind of instilling the the right lessons and disciplines in what they need to have, which are I think ultimately above anything, life skills, which will make them successful in anything in life, whether it's through their studies and, uh, uh, and whether they go on into business, because obviously at the end of the day, it's such a small percentage that go on to make it as a player. Um, and then with that disciplined and that very developed game, then they can go on and they can actually perform in the university. That, that's the key. Um, you need to be very much the finished article when you go to university. Yes, you develop some maybe in your, in your freshman year, um, but beyond that, you, you've got to hit the tarmac pretty hard and fast and you, you've got to put the foot down because uh, it's all about results and it's very much performance world there. How would you find that balance, Jason, between the kind of academic and the performance side of things? Uh, and that's where, you know, we're very obviously uh, grateful to work with the partners that we do. As I said, the Sutter Grand International School, you know, we've, we've sat down with the school for many years. I mean, it really has been an 11-year process to get to this point, making sure that the academics work um, again, because it's not just the, uh, you know, they're only doing four hours per regular day, but with obviously within that, they have a full tournament schedule throughout the year. So there's a lot of trips. Uh, there's a lot of online work they have to do to catch up and to sort of keep pace. Um, when they come back to the academy, again, sometimes we have to adapt certain things uh, and, and make sure that they are, you know, doing the work, they're doing the necessary to achieve the results that they need. Um, uh, and so far, we've uh, yeah, I think we've, we've we've got it pretty good. Super, Stephen. You touched on it before around the pandemic. How has that impacted on renovations and developments at the at the club? 
Um, so, I mean, if, if there was if there was a year, a good year to do a complete renovation, it, it was probably last year. Um, timing was actually perfect because obviously we never had too many uh, too many customers uh, anyway. Um, the only the only thing that was a negative was during those first probably two months of the reconstruction, we were struggling to get supplies because um, obviously people weren't flying and you know things weren't getting shipped and whatever. So that probably set us back a little bit. Um, but in general, um, it, it didn't hold us back too much. But I would say uh, a lot of that was actually down to uh, the contractors who were who were doing doing the work, uh, a company called uh, Atlantic, uh, they they actually did the renovation at Adair Manor, um, and they worked at Ballybunion and a few other different places. <clears throat> their their commitment to the project was um, incredible. They had people on site for more than fourteen weeks without going home. Um, wow. Also, our consultant on the project, uh, Turfgrass, um, they, they're kind of consultants for Vida Bon and Wentworth and the Solheim Cup and different, different other you know, top-end courses. Again, they were, they were contracted to do something like, I think it was four days per month, um, and they did over 100 days in the year. Um, so everyone really bought into what it was we were trying to do, what it was we were trying to achieve, and you know we kept uh, we kept hearing the the sort of the phrase we we will get the job done um, because we we set them a deadline. You know, fifth of December was when we had to open. That was that was the the key date, and yeah, emotionally it was like a huge roller coaster. Um, because every day the golf course changes during construction for obvious reasons. And some days you feel like, yeah, you're going to get it done. Other days you get, you just think there's no chance that we're going to get this done by the 5th of December. Um, but those two, those two companies kept saying, yeah, we will, we'll get it done. And they did. Um, so yeah, apart from in the beginning where there was a few, few issues, um, we, we managed to, we managed to finish the project on time. Uh, in terms of actual revenue and everything else, obviously, um, it was it was a poor poor year. Um, you know, I think we were operating at something like 15, 20% occupancy. Um, has a roll-on effect, sales in shops, sales in the restaurant, uh, lessons, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I think I think we did okay. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of other other clubs uh, in Costa del Sol and you know, some some never even opened their restaurant, never even opened their golf shop. Um, only had four or five greenkeepers working. Um, so we 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 were lucky in the sense that we kind of we, we got through it pretty good. Um, but of course, you know, for for what we had budgeted for, <laughs> it was it was a disaster. Um, but you know, we're they're showing signs now that things are picking up. Um, just actually yesterday, we had quite a few people arrive um, from the UK. Um, so it's kind of like the first first little sign that things are kind of getting back to whatever whatever normal is going to is going to be. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was we we got through it okay. What were some of the major changes you made on the golf course, Ian? Um, well, the golf course before was it was 
you know, it gone through a period of time where there was no investment. Um, it was uh, pretty scruffy. It was always wet. It was a really wet golf course, uh, even in the height of summer. Actually, especially in the height of summer. Um, so we, uh, we, I mean, we basically stripped the whole thing back to just the actual routing. Um, so we did whole new drainage, whole new irrigation. We sand capped. Um, we did a massive tree pruning program. Um, new Bermuda grass on the fairways, new bent grass on the greens. Took out 29 bunkers, took out 18 hectares of turf, which has been replaced by mulch. Um, took out three lakes, took out two streams. Um, so from an environmental aspect, it's a lot better now. It's much easier to maintain, much more cost effective. We don't use so much water. Um, don't, have to, don't have to cut so much grass, so we don't use so much fuel. Um, so going forward, we'll be able to, you know, we're, we're setting a very high level in terms of conditioning of the golf course. But because of what we've done to it, we'll be able to maintain that level because our budget will allow it. Um, we're not going to be spending fortunes on water. We're not going to be spending fortunes on fertilizers and, and fuel to cut so much grass. Um, and also the, the, the mulch kind of gives a very nice sort of definition to the course as well. So there's no rough, it's just fairway and mulch. Um, so it's a much more player-friendly experience. Greens are still very tough. Uh, that's kind of the... Jason's laughing because he just three-butts all the greens. At the moment, so. um, um, but um, no, the defence of the golf course is, is definitely on and around the greens. Um, you know, we, we don't have any aspirations to have a tour event or anything. So it's very much about being a, a, a member-friendly, visitor-friendly golfing experience uh, with a very, you know, high level of conditioning. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, quite, quite a few changes, um, to say the least. But the feedback has been very positive. Um, very positive, not really any any negatives whatsoever. So we're we're happy about that. I think it's hard actually to describe um, just how good the golf course is. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that because this one's sitting next to me, but uh, you can um, see as much as you want. <laughs> but it it really is. Um, you know, you, you you go on to the so Stephen was talking about the greens. You got the speed of the greens, uh, the quality of the the bent grass on the greens, the slope, the design. Uh, it, it's really quite amazing. It's uh, you know, we've got, say, with young young Tiger Christensen, he's a real course connoisseur. He's obviously played in a lot of great courses around the world. Um, he's very picky. And so he straight away has just described this as the, the Augusta National of Europe. Um, I mean, honestly, you, you, the fringes are without doubt better than most greens you'd probably pass on around the world. I mean, it's that good. They're that pure. They're that fast. Amazing kind of these... Uh, runoffs that are around the greens, very challenging. Um, the good thing is that you're presented with a lot of um, options with short game shots, um, but then you've really got to execute and perform because if you are slightly out, you're going to be punished with another runoff and another slope. Um, like Stephen said, I think it's, it's quite wide and, and generous in a nice way off the tee, um, but uh, you, you've got to be very smart with your approach shots into the greens and you've got to have a really good 3D short game. And I think it's... Uh, yeah, it's it is the same course, but it's it's not the same golf course. It's a kind of a it's a strange scenario. You, you, it's very familiar with some of the 
the shape of the holes, but it's it's so different to what it was before, and there's a lovely ambience when you when you play it. Absolutely amazing! Sounds awesome. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Jason, you talked earlier about the academy and and the, the the structure that you've got in place. Where do the majority of the students come from? Uh, all around the world, all from the the world. Um, you know, we've we've had students obviously far and wide from you know. Currently, we've got a guy from New York. Um, a few Asians. Um, I think that's a market which we would like to uh, try to reach and tap into a little bit more. I think there could be a lot of benefit uh, mutually for uh, for us and the Asian uh, players. Um, and then, really, from Central Europe, all across Europe. I mean, from every every country you can think of. Um, say all the way from from Russia, from um, uh, we've had a golfer from Kazakhstan before. We've had golfers from Ukraine. I mean, literally just going all the way across. Um, so a great variety, which I think, you know, day-to-day provides a really good ambience and feel um, with that kind of international uh, sense of how these young players communicate, how they get on. I think that's, again, great for, you know, Christ, I go back from uh, myself growing up in a uh, quiet little Norfolk and, uh, you know, nowadays they just, it's just the, the norm, you know, it is a very global world. It's, it's great to see and it's great to see how they interact. Super. I know you've created as well uh, a finder's fee, but potentially for other PJ members who might have students who they might want to come out and, and take part in the programme. What's your message yep. for, to, for pros to get in touch? I think if, if they have a player which, you know, they feel they would like to... Uh, um, you know, nudge in our direction. You know, they want that maybe away from home experience because I think that's quite a developmental step for, for most junior players. You know, get away from the comfort of home. You know, it's a great stepping stone if you now want to go to university. Um, then, if you are looking at uh, you know an international academy experience, then uh, absolutely get in touch with us. Uh, you know, we have a finder's fee, um, so you know it's a good financial benefit from that aspect. But I think the, the, the hopefully the pleasure and the fact that. Uh, you're sending uh, a player that you've coached or that you know, um, hopefully onto the next step of their career. That's great. Absolutely super process. Stephen, you talked about, again, about the kind of the, the volume of investment that's been put into the into the club. What does 2021 look like for you at the club and what, what ambitions and goals have you got? Busy. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, I'm still um, I, I'm still working in Moscow as well, so I, I still have to during during summer season I have to kind of flip back and forth between between the two two places. Um, but 2021 for for San Rocky looks um, looks fantastic. Actually, even second half of this year looks looks good. Um, sort of August, we're more or less fully booked. Uh, September more or less fully booked, October is fully booked. Um, so, you know, even the second half of this year is uh, is looking good. Uh, next year, our predictions are, yeah, pretty uh, pretty good. We've already got quite a few weddings and stuff booked, uh, different sort of functions, um, quite a bit of golf already booked. And, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure once once people start to really play the golf course and get to see it, I'm pretty sure that the word will spread pretty pretty fast. Um, and I think also, you know, people are desperate to travel now. Um, they've been you know cooped up for so long. Um, so I think if, if once once it's available, 
uh, I think people will be desperate to go, whether it's Spain or Portugal, they're just going to be desperate to go to go and play golf. Um, and I think we will definitely benefit fr- from that. Um, but yeah, just basically, we, you know, as I said, we're kind of inclusive sort of club. So we don't just, we don't just do golf. We're, we're doing weddings. We're doing communions. We're doing, you know, corporate days. We're doing birthday parties, you know, anniversaries. We do a lot of different, a lot of different things. Uh, we've got an equestrian centre here as well that we have a relationship with. Um, we've got a boating company that we have a relationship with that you know you can rent the boat for the day. Um, we've got polo that we're involved with. We've got hunting um, that we can organise. We can pretty much organise anything that you know a, a member or a customer wants. Um, and yeah, I think. Uh, I think 2021 is going to be it's going to be a good year. Super, Jason. You talked about before about David Ledbetter being a big influence on on your career. Um, how has he influenced you as a, as a member, and how has he influenced what you're doing now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think David uh, certainly at the time, and I've actually said this to him. I still keep in contact with him. Um, I think he. Uh, you know, obviously being a kid growing up in that sort of Faldo era, you know, that was something that very much inspired me to actually play the game, really. I was, I was a tennis player more than a golfer. Um, not that much of a golfer now, but, um, um, but yeah, I think, you know, really at the time it was, you, you know, obviously we saw, you know, the whole time of, or the whole process of, of Faldo's transformation and then obviously how David was a big part of that and obviously David's work and the likes of Nick Price and, and these guys. Um, so, you know, to get the... The, the, the job with IMG, I remember that moment. It's kind of like winning the lottery at the, at the time. Um, and then to spend time with David, you know, I was very fortunate to be with him at uh, some major championships and assist him personally with, you know, his stable of players back in the early 2000s were just ridiculous. You know, you know working with Ernie Els to say to Price, to, to Westwood, to Rose, to Poulter, to Badley, Charles Hell III. I mean, it was, it was quite ridiculous. Um, but for him to have spent the time um, with this annoying little kid from Norfolk asking him a thousand one questions and, uh, you know, really taking his time to answer and, and to really convey the understanding and that sort of global picture of what he's trying to achieve with the players was, uh, was an incredible experience. Um, and obviously then working for him in the academies, it really gave me an incredible insight of, of, really kind of I was always a driven person I was always very competitive in sports and it kind of now got me to understand how to drive that mindset in coaching um, and to be the best coach that you can be be you know stay curious uh, keep learning um, you know ne- never stop trying to be the best coach that you can be you know I've been then fortunate I guess then to kind of not 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 pretending to be David Ledbetter but you know to pass that sort of uh, roll on to the, 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 the many PJ coaches that I've employed at the academy over the years um, and, and to get them in that mindset. And I think that's the satisfaction that I get now is to see coaches, you know, come up, they, they've got their, they've got their notepad. They're always writing things down and, and they're, they're very proactive. They found something new out. Um, and I, I think that's the, for me, that's the, um, the, the goal or let's say, sorry, that's the, the, um, I'm trying to find my words here, uh, but I think that's the, the main thing that you can get from that sort of passion um, is, is really trying to find um, that uh, day-to-day uh, ability to get better, to be better. What, they, what are the latest techniques that you can employ with your students 
Um, and I think it, it never grows old. You know, you have that uh, moment with a student and they've just grasped something new, they've improved something uh, that they couldn't have done before or didn't do before. Um, and I think that's what uh, drives us all as coaches. Amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Question for both of you really here is, you've come a long way. You've come on, on a great, great journey with, with San Roque. What advice would you give to people out there who maybe have, have brought a golf club, they're looking to renovate a golf club, make some changes to a golf academy? What, what would you give advice to them about? Um, yeah, we don't have, a, we don't have enough time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the one thing that I, I two, two things I took away from, from doing the, the renovation of, of the, whole, the whole place was um, you can't do it on your own, um, so you definitely need uh, you need good people. Uh, you need you need to you need to be able to explain the project to those people, explain your vision of what it is you want to achieve, and get them to buy into that. Um, and then I think the other thing is patience, because as I said before, literally, not even every day, every hour. The, the golf course looked different um, and and it goes through so many different processes of it looking quite nice and then they and then they destroy it because they have to and then they put something on top and it looks quite nice again and then they destroy it and then you're like well it's yeah you just it's just a, an emotional roller coaster um, but I think as long as as long as you've got good people around you um, you know experienced team uh, it's definitely not something I would suggest that you get someone in who's you know never done it before or only done one project or whatever definitely needs to be an experienced team and uh, yeah just just be patient because um, yeah it, it, even now I mean we're still in a growing phase um, and even now the, the golf course changes almost on a daily basis in terms of how the sun's shining on it and how the grass looks and, you know, depending on what sort of work we're doing on it, it goes, it's kind of up and down at the moment. Um, so, yeah, you need, uh, <laughs> you need to have a lot of, a lot of patience and a, and a calm, calm demeanor. Yeah, I echo that. I think, yeah, patience, uh, perseverance, don't stop. Uh, I think having that, so like Stephen said, having that vision, having that end goal in mind, keep working backwards from that. Um, you know, certainly from the golf academy side, you know, the, the, the instructional world, you know, certainly with technologies are changing all the time. So, you know, having it in mind of, you know, how would you like to conduct uh, your programs? What do your programs look like? How are the technologies uh, being integrated into that whole system? You know, really affects how you design your, in this case, your, your building here. You know, we're lucky we've got a 500 square meter building, which is very much purpose built into uh, coaching elite young players, but then using then obviously the technologies and the methods that we want to then implement with them. Um, so I think having that goal in mind, definitely, uh, as, as Stephen has said as well, you, you've got to find the right people to help. You can't do it by yourself. It's far too big. Um, and then within the right way, yes, you're trusting people, but also um, make sure that you're also checking up on things and you don't take something for granted that things will get done in your way because again it could be just through miscommunications or whatever so that's a, that's a very good point actually <clears throat> never never assume yeah 
yeah, expect the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Gents, thank you so much for your time today. And first of all, I want to congratulate you on the amazing job that you've done at San Roque. Where can people find out a bit more information about yourselves and, and hopefully book a trip as well? Um, yeah, so we're at the moment, actually, our website's under construction, but it is uh, Um It should be going live probably um, probably last week of May, first week of June. Um, so you can find uh, all, all information there. Super. Thank you both yeah. for your time. Really appreciate today. Absolutely brilliant insight into the club. Thank you out there, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. If you have any suggestions for improvements, topics or guests, please email pgalive at pga.org.uk.